The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Hello there, I'm Ben McKechn. And I'm Russ Matthews. Welcome to episode 106 of The Big Picture for the week beginning May 8. And coming up on today's show... We have a dog's purpose, the zookeeper's wife, and the top five Hollywood pets... I want. Plus, a real-life zoo worker and Jeffrey Rush plays Albert Einstein and Mark Hadley's not here this week. Instead, Russ Matthews, you are filling in the Mark Hadley hot seat. I am in the hot picture. seat. And oh, it doesn't feel quite as as, as warm as I was hoping yet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible picture to paint. Hello, Sam. Hello. On that note. I was going to say, I, I thought you looked different, Mark Hadley. Yeah. <laughs> you sound I'm different so as well. I'm so thankful that you see me as different. <laughs> and sound different. Thanks very much for joining us, Russ, on this show and next Love week's it. show as well as Mark is off. What's the word we use? Gallivanting on yes. a documentary project around the world. Ooh, yes. That's the word of the day. He man. will return return in a fortnight's time but now we have russ thanks for being here russ yes russ what's uh, coming up in cinemas this week tell us what's coming out well actually we, we, it was released last week will be the case for christ the true story of lee Tr- strobel's search for the truth when it comes to the person of jesus ben reviewed it on last week's show sure and, did. and uh, check out the bigpicturewebsite.com for the full review in short though loved it i loved it all right and this thursday we get asked the question again can you hear a scream in space with the release of the second prequel to this space classic franchise alien covenant more alien coming to screens it's coming what about the small screen ben there's some show called Grantchester that's in its third season. <laughs> You're sounding like you know all about this. Oh, it sounds so familiar this, to you. This is the bit that Mark usually does. I usually do the cinema stuff. I feel way, way, I feel way out of my depth now. So there's this show, right, called Grantchester. It's on ABC. It's in its third season. It's being fast-tracked from the UK. It's uh, airing on Sunday, May 14. That's, that's, you've got a whole week to prepare for this. I've been that's, excited. That's about all I know about it. Um, coming back to Netflix, though, from May 12 is Master of None Season 2, which stars mm. Aziz Ansari. Most people would know him from Parks and Recreation. Very funny bloke. In this quite unusual comedy series that's kind of about him but not about him. He's playing a character but not really a character. Master of None Season 2, Netflix, May 12. Sounds way more interesting than Grantchester. Yes. Now, we've got a real treat having you here, uh, Russ Matthews, this week. So, you're going to bring out true or false question to us. Sure, of course. And I get to do babe. You do? You do babe, true and false. Why, yep. you, wh- why babe? Why, B- why babe? Why are we doing babe this week? Well, because it's, it's this box office hit from 1995 about an orphan piglet who was taken by farmer Arthur Hargett and was successful in Australia and around the world. Sure. And it was even nominated for the Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yes. But can you remember the animals? What was the duck's name? This isn't true or false. Is it, that's not the true no, or false? This is true or false. No, I don't know, duck? Ferdinand. <laughs> remember the the border collie named Fly, and then, of course, the piglet named Babe. Well, okay, get to the true or false <laughs> okay, bit. Like, true, we're, we're obviously failing at the animal so, names thing, so, Russ. Come on. It's it's quite, it was time. quite a challenge to wrangle these animals, because, I mean, we're looking at Dog's Purpose here in just a little bit. Oh, so I looking, see the oh, link. Hey, we're, I so, we're about to talk about the movie Dog's Purpose dog's and purpose. the Zookeeper's Wife later in the show. Animals. Right, it's all about animals. And also, because I get to give my top five later, but... In the true and false, how many pigs do you think actually played the character of Babe in the end? <laughs> I know. It's one of those questions you've been pondering for oh, years. Oh, my goodness. Have I? Years and years. And I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. i make it a little easier for you. Okay. First, 22, 2, 48, or the third choice would be 126. Hang on a minute. So your true or false is how many actual pigs played the character of Babe in the movie Babe? That's right. And our options are what? 22. 22. 
yeah. 48 or 126. Now, one thing to just mm. keep in mind is that this di- this production was three years long. Okay. Well, I could tell you probably how many pigs are still alive from that production. <laughs> That's what I could think. Moving exactly. on, Sam Robinson. Okay. Let's move on. There are children listening. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Well, let's get to our Watch Your Kids are Watching movie this week. There are two sorts of people in this world, dog lovers and people who don't have a heart. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> There's truth to that, yeah? Just, wow. Just shut out a whole lot of cat lovers listening That's to the show. Right. Well, Dog's Purpose is a new family film that imagines what life looks like from a pooch's Perspective. It sounds cute, fairy, and fun, but Ben warns that this is a howler of disturbing proportions. What is the meaning of life? Are we here for a reason? Is there a point to any of this? And why does food taste so much better in the trash? This was me, and then this was me. Then I came back as this little guy. A lot of lives for one dog to live, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning. I'm a new soul. Mm. <laughs> Indeed, Sam. <laughs> a Dog's Purpose uh, is a family film opened at cinemas last week. It was made for $22 million, and mm. around the world it's already taken 100 mi- uh, $180 you You're kidding. So, in short, that's a hit, friends. That's yeah. a hit. Uh, uh, well, I don't actually think it's a hit, but I'll explain why in a minute. But in terms of dollars taken, massive, massive. A Dog's Purpose is a movie that is unashamedly pitched straight at dog lovers. If you love dogs, they've just made a movie for you. Because basically, A Dog's Purpose follows one dog going through various different lives. That's right. This is a reincarnation dog movie. Hmm. And the dog, as it goes through about four or five different lives and different owners, for some reason they're all in America. I'm not really sure why. It doesn't yeah. travel. But you, the dog <laughs> learns different things about existence across its many reincarnated lives. Interesting. Now, just kind of telling by your tone, Ben, even though I know you're a dog lover, um, why didn't you really bark with glee about this dog's purpose? Guys, this, I think, is the worst movie I've seen this year. Wow. I, I wow. really, really wow, did not like it. Why didn't I bark with Glee? Russ, this movie it was so weak on so many fronts. So everything from the insights that are offered from the pooch's perspective about like what's going on with life to mm. the human characters to the progression of this central idea about learning different lessons about life, mm. really, really weak, cheesy cheesy, like cringeworthy, eye-rolling stuff. Hmm. I get that it's pitched at, it's a PG-rated film, it's pitched at a really broad audience, but it's so broad that I found it was just, like had nothing of real substance to offer in any department. Josh Gad plays the voice of this dog in various different lives. Uh, He's probably most famous now for uh, playing a contentious character in Beauty and the Beast that was out like very recently. But he's, he's doing this voice that's kind of equivalent to, you know, that baby voice or that voice you do to dogs when you're talking to them, that kind of high-pitched voice that you do? He oh, does, oh. That, that thing? Oh, no, okay, it's, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe yeah, less of that. Yeah, I know. That kind of voice. Yeah. And he does that voice, but as the internal monologue of the dog. Like, oh. And I just found that insufferable as that, as that went along. But really, overall, <laughs> A Dog's Purpose, I found such an insulting simplification of life from a dog's perspective that I just wanted to get out pretty much as soon as it started. Now, one of the things that you kind of brought up when you were introducing the film is that it's about it's really kind of about reincarnation of dogs. Mm, and mm. I know that you don't believe in reincarnation. So is that why Dog's Purpose really turned you off or was it more to that? No, I don't think so. But I did go out like during the movie because I had a lot of time to think because I was so like <laughs> bored. I was thinking about 
but is it because this is about reincarnation? I think that's a word of warning to parents and caregivers if they're looking to take their kids along. Be warned if you don't know this movie is about a reincarnated dog, and that might have might lead to various conversations you have with your kids about what on earth is going on. Why is this dog keep coming back? But no, I don't think that's why. I mean, just because you don't believe in an idea or philosophy that's being presented on screen doesn't mean you're not going to like the movie or TV show. Because if that was me, like that would make me super narrow-minded and also would severely limit my options when mm. it came to what I was going to engage with. Now, I think it's for me, the reincarnation aspect didn't really work because it's not explained. Right. And it's not even that interestingly woven into the plot. And then it just get, raises more questions than it gives answers. Like, why does the dog just keep coming back? Why does mm. it learn selective lessons? Why does it remember stuff and forget stuff? Why does it keep coming back into the lives of similar people that it's been involved with in the past? And what what happens when it actually reaches doggy enlightenment? Like, does it become a cat? Like, what? <laughs> what? Oh. Okay. I'm still groaning. <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> I just want to roll my eyes when I think about this movie. Right. I'm starting to wonder exactly how they found $22 million to make this movie from what you're saying. But is there anything positive to say about a dog's purpose? Okay. Come on, Ben. Again, go back to the bit where this is aimed at, f- at families. And I think if you right. get past the reincarnation aspect, there's a lot of cuteness to be had from the, the dog and various dogs that are up on screen. Um, the humans in this, everyone from Dennis Quaid to Britt Robertson, don't really have much to do. It's all about, all about the dog. But like the best thing I think I could say, the only really good thing I could say about a dog's purpose is it gives you license to talk about what is the purpose right. of life. I think what this film is trying to do is be a really gentle way in for viewers to reflect on life themselves. Mm. And the easy way of doing that is putting yourself at a distance. So if a dog is asking questions of life, well, that's a lot safer than me asking questions of life. Right. So it does raise... What's life about? What's purpose? That keeps coming up through the film. In the opening narration, the silly dog goes on about, what's my purpose in life? And at that point, I got really bored. But (laughs) it does raise that question in a very, quote-unquote, safe way. Now, where this film gets to and some of the messages it sends about what life is about, on one hand, you can kind of get on board, but plenty of it is just... Like so sappy and cringeworthy and flimsy and nothing. It's so hollow. So it's worth going and looking for answers to life elsewhere. But yeah, the best positive thing I can say about A Dog's Purpose, which is from a director called Lassie Halstrom, I should I point out, who, whose name is a Swedish guy. His name is Lassie. He's directed, <laughs> he's directed other dog movies, including a great film called um, My Life as a Dog from years and years ago. But he can't really knock it out on this front. No. Like this, so Lassie Halstrom's latest, a, a dog's purpose. There's no purpose in going. The only purpose I think it's served is generating conversation about what life is actually about. And what it's about, friends, is not going to see a dog's purpose. All wow. right. Well, according to Ben, a dog's purpose is a real dog. But yep. if you still want to take it for a walk, it's now showing around Australia. And it's rated PG for mild themes. It stars dogs. KJ Aper, uh, Britt Robertson, and the voice of Josh Gad. True or false, way we're back to finding out how many pigs played the actual character of Babe in the end. So, okay. Ben, to you, the choices were yes. 22, yes. 48, or 126. 126. 126. It's actually 48. Ah. Yes, 48. Uh, there were, you always take the middle one, you know. <laughs> but anyway, there were 48 purebred, large white Yorkshire um, pigs cast as Babe. Since the filming was spread out over a course of three years, and the pigs went on to live full lives, or maybe not. Mm. Bacon. All right. Bacon. Uh, coming up on the big picture, the smartest soundtrack choice we've ever made. And our resident uh, geniuses try to understand Jeffrey Rush as mega famous brain box Albert Einstein. 
Welcome back to The Big Picture. We're at the soundtrack segment of our show, and we've made a super smart choice this week. Well, Russ has, because I'm very soon going to speak about this new show that Jeffrey Rush is in, starring as Albert Einstein. It's called Genius. We got Thinking About Genius on screen, and it made Russ think of this. Russ, 
Why were we playing Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, which is a great 80s <sighs> song, but what's so smart about it? Man, this just takes me back, sitting in the back of the school bus, going to... Going to school, the yellow school bus. Yes, like, like the ones I have in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Exactly. Your American it, childhood was it, like Ferris Bueller's Day it, Off. It's, it's like it's like John Hughes being lived all over. Even though this isn't a John Hughes film, because we're um, you're reviewing Genius, we thought you know what? Why not go back to a, a film that maybe most of you probably because of the age bracket don't know is Real Genius. It was the Val Kilmer. Tin, Hang on a minute. Tin, what? What? Real Val, Genius. Real what Genius. Nineteen eighty-five. It was a, this this teen comedy about this crazy bunch of young geniuses who go through and and try and kind of figure out how to stop this evil um, headmaster of this school from like doing all of these crazy things. You're describing a real movie. It's, it's a ridiculous storyline from a 1980s comedy that has all these great lines. I just sit there and I can just sit there and think about my brother and I sitting on the lounge watching this ridiculous film but yet it was so much fun. It's still As one of those I go back movie, and watch. You said Val Kilmer's in it? Val Kilmer is actually good. And you would rush home on the big yellow bus like Ferris Bueller's Day Off you and your brother thinking about watching Real Genius a movie that none of us have heard of? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And listening to Tears for Fears. I mean, Tears for Fears. I was I was around when they first came out, baby. Wow. Oh yeah, man. You're looking is... so youthful, Russ. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> well, in case you didn't realize, guys, the way we watch and view TV has changed a lot over the last few years. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you yeah, noticed that? Just yeah. a bit. TVs have got kind of thinner. They and have, a bit, but and bigger. Bit bigger. We're sometimes. talking. I'm talking about the internet. Oh, have you heard oh, of the internet? Oh, that, oh the line. I, yes. I, I've heard about I the line. I think I saw that in a movie once. <laughs> yes, the internet. Yes, yes. sir. <laughs> well, new TV series Genius, which stars Jeffrey Rush as Albert Einstein, is just one example of how radically the small screen has changed. But Ben also discovered that Genius reveals not-so-new stuff about understanding existence. Hello, may I help you? Albert Einstein, your reputation precedes you. We respect the true rebel. Speak! Natura naturans. Everything is connected. It's an idea I've been considering for a while now. Look around you. What do you see? Forces that nobody fully understands. Okay, gents, the first season of Genius focuses on theoretical physicist Albert Einstein during different periods of his life. Um, in the first episode, which I watched this week, Jeffrey Rush plays the older, kind of established Albert Einstein in 1932, and Johnny Flynn plays the younger Albert Einstein, probably it's around kind of 20, 30 years earlier, uh, of kind of trying to make his way in the world of wanting to be a professional physicist. Mm. That my friends, is the starting point of genius. Oh, wow. So now, we, we had a discussion about this show we recently. Did, you had not heard about it, right? I, I'd, I'd seen some posters on the sides of buses, and like, like where you get all your information these days. Forget the internet. Sides mm. of buses. That's where it's at. I saw big <laughs> pictures of Jeffrey Rush's head looking a lot like Albert Einstein, hmm. and then discovered that, as you, uh, no, I didn't discover, you told me, that <laughs> this uh, the first episode of Genius is available for free on the iTunes store. I didn't realize iTunes gave away stuff for free. Neither did I. Apart from podcasts <laughs> and that like kind of thing. It's like a genius move, isn't it? It's like, it's like a genius move. I don't know how much other free stuff is out there, but National Geographic, the National Geographic channel is behind mm. this show. Oh, so wow. it's coming out through, National Geographic is behind it, iTunes store it's available through, and Oscar winning director Ron Howard is behind the series. Talk about like a great encapsulation of the way that TV has radically changed in the last couple of years, the way we get TV, the, who's behind it, mm. the the big players, the, the, who puts the money into it, all that kind of thing. It's effectively corralled right here in the first season of Genius, which is being drip-fed week to week. You're getting one new episode every week. It's up to about episode three 
by now. And the second season will be coming. And who who that season is going to be about is going to be revealed at the end of this first one. All right. So so what do you make of Jeffrey Rush as one of the most famous brains ever? Uh, one of the things I didn't get into so much with Genius was Jeffrey Rush's performance, which isn't to say it's a bad one. Mm. It's a Jeffrey Rush performance. And he, pretty much any time you get to see that guy on screen, like you want to go and check that out, I think. He's like you know one of Australia's living legends up on screen. But for me, it felt a little bit like a performance. Like he, he looks hmm. the part, but there's a few scenes of him in lectures. And like, I don't know if Albert Einstein was a bit of a wisecracker in real life. I've got, I've got no idea. Right. But in these lecture scenes, you get a lot of Albert Einstein kind of like making these little physicist jokes to his students and they're chortling <laughs> away. And then, he, and then he goes up onto the blackboard and demonstrates to them how they're really stupid and he's really smart. And it, it, in a way, it became, this, like, it became this theatrical performance where I know I'm watching someone perform as someone else. Hmm. I actually really like this guy, Johnny Flynn, who I can't really think of other stuff that he's been in. He's the younger version of Albert Einstein. And for my money... It made he made more of a case for him being a person. Like mm. he's just the he doesn't have the the big hair and he right. doesn't have the wisecracks. Is instead he's just this guy trying to make his way. He's got issues with his dad. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to do the career he wants to do. Um, he's a really good portrait actually in this first episode of Genius at least of uh, why education might be more modelled towards children or around children and their specific hmm. needs as opposed to just doing a, a blanket like form of education for any kid. So yeah, I got into the Johnny Flynn stuff more than the Jeffrey Rush as Albert Einstein, even though the Jeffrey Rush part of the show is set in 1932, which is the rise and rise of Nazi Germany. He's, he's in Berlin and uh, he's of a Jewish background. And so he's coming up against the, the rising tide of Hitler's army effectively in Germany. So the, the setting of it is pretty ripe, but I didn't get into Jeffrey Rush's performance oh, there as you much. Go. But I want to know, is this more than just a history lesson, Ben? Like, is there more to that than... Oh, it's got science lessons too, Sam. Actually, okay, the science sure. is really... It's very its very well <laughs> conveyed in the show. Actually, for even people like me who don't really get it, like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, that was well done. I think it is a bit more than a well-funded history and science lesson. But one of the big lessons I took from Genius is it just reminded me of what so many biopics, particularly movies, do all the time when they focus on similar people, people mm. who are very driven, very creative, very talented, very smart. There's often selfishness at a really heightened level with these people. Albert Einstein, you get that with his character up on screen a lot. But everything from movies like Chaplin, about Charlie Chaplin years ago, to Ray, Ray Charles, Steve Jobs recently, Theory of Everything. Hmm. One of the things that comes out of these things for me is this is a sort of almost apologetic vibe of, oh, they're a genius, it's okay that they treat people the way they treat people. I think it's just a massive challenge as a viewer to think, is that right? And hmm. there's different points that Albert Einstein, about Albert Einstein here that I think fly in the face like hugely of stuff that you know Jesus would promote about being humble and putting other people first and what that's going to mean for your life now and in the future, particularly for you and your family. So as interesting as Genius is, and Albert Einstein's an interesting character, and he did do some amazing stuff. Does it make it right that you're a selfish prat who puts yourself before others? Wow. All right. Well, Genius stars Jeffrey Rush, Johnny Flynn, and Emily Watson. It's rated M, and the first episode is available for free at the iTunes store, and new episodes are being released each and every week. Now, coming up on the big picture, a new drama at cinemas, The Zookeeper's Wife, which is another screen story about people fighting against the Nazis. Welcome back to the show. Now, very soon, Russ will be reviewing a major new drama at cinemas, The Zookeeper's Wife. So for press record this week, we sent Ben out to interview a real-life zookeeper's wife. Well... 
He failed it. You failed at yeah, that. I, didn't did, you? I actually failed at that attempt. Thanks for sending me out, but I failed. <laughs> you got you got close though. I did because Nicole McCoy worked at Taronga Zoo. She is a wife, and she shares some amazing stories of feeding hungry gorillas and lazy koalas. Nicole, I'm sitting in your office, but this is an office of a much different sort. People won't be able to tell this on radio, but just describe for us what exactly your office is where we're sitting right now. So my office is under beautiful trees in a fantastic garden with lots of flowering plants. And we also should say that the location of these gardens that you're working in is SMBC, Sydney Missionary and Bible College at Croydon. You're a person who works in in the outdoors. What exactly do you do? So uh, my job description is a horticulturalist and I'm also an arborist, so climbing trees with chainsaws. That's an arborist, climbing trees with chainsaws. For those of us who can say horticulturalist but don't actually know what it is, what is it? It's someone who works with plants, general garden maintenance, pest and disease control and just making them look pretty, really. But horticulture sounds well fancy. Now, part of your career history has been working at Taronga Zoo. That's right? Yeah, that's correct. It was a great time. What did you do at Taronga Zoo as a horticulturalist? So our main position was to design the exhibits with uh, vegetation-wise for the animals. We also had gardens for browse food to go and collect food for the gorillas and koalas and things like that. Let me stop you right there. You just said that you collected food for gorillas and koalas. (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. How do you forage for food for gorillas and koalas? The koalas actually took a bit of climbing, so it was trying to get the nice new growth off the gum trees, but that's way up high, so you have to climb. Are you saying the koalas are really lazy? <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Yeah, but I thought they'd go out for a bit of exercise. Surely I know they're cuddly and kind of chubby, but I thought they would actually go and get some leaves for themselves. No, they're put right in front of them, and whatever they can get is right there. That's it. Man, that's an awesome life as a koala. What about as gorillas? Did you have to go into the gorilla enclosures when the gorillas were in there? No, definitely not. Um, I wouldn't mix with gorillas. (laughs) We had to go in and just lay the food around. Um, The keepers tend to do a lot of it, but we got to play with them sometimes through the bars. (laughs) When I've been to the zoo in the past, I had no idea. I know, maybe I just didn't stop to think about how exciting it might be to actually get to work with animals and in their enclosures. Were there there particular enclosures or particular animals that really stand out to you about your time at Taronga? Yeah, there's so many to think of. Um, I went in and patted the Komodo dragon he was unreal he was so big and just so lazy laying there but there's always always that element of you know it's a wild animal so something could happen I also got to climb trees for koalas bring koalas down that have kind of escaped out of the enclosure we did bush regeneration on Lion Island which was fantastic you're not actually allowed to land on it unless you're part of national parks and we had a contract with national park to go out there and most of the time we went with the water police because national parks boat was so dodgy you wouldn't get there sounds like you've had one of the coolest jobs in in the world Uh, what were some of the enclosures you worked on and how do you go about say replicating you know like an African savannah or some rainforest in Asia how do you go about doing that in downtown Sydney well downtown Sydney Harbour yeah so we actually had to source the plants we had a massive nursery at the back of the zoo where we propagated a lot of the stuff because say for the orangutans for example it was all Southeast Asian so what went in the exhibit and around the surrounding areas all had to be Southeast Asian but then coping with the Sydney climate now Nicole you're a Christian and you get to work in the great outdoors you're a person who understands that God's the one behind all of this stuff that we can see here at SNBC but also at Taronga Zoo everywhere how does it impact 
impact your job though, being a Christian and getting to do the kind of stuff that you get to do outdoors? Oh, it's just fantastic actually. I get to see God's creation every day. I see it from a tiny little seed that grows into a beautiful plant, flowering. I mean, the amount of work that goes into making a garden look good and God can just create it like that. It's fantastic. For almost one century, the Holocaust in World War II has inspired plenty of screen stories. But new drama The Zookeeper's Wife is the first movie to feature the plight of zookeepers who found themselves in a position to help hundreds of people and animals during the Nazi era. They're forcing Jews out of their homes. They're taking us all to the ghetto. Thousands of people are dying. The littlest of children. We have room. We could hide them. Bring as many as you can. All right, folks, we're going to be talking today about the true story about the zookeeper's wife. Um, it provides a vantage point that's kind of unique and the war to end all wars in looking at World War II from the position of zookeepers and okay, specifically sure. the, the Zabinskas um, who were based in Warsaw, Poland and uh, right there before the invasion the Nazi invasion of Poland back in 1939. Uh, they had this beautiful life, beautiful zoo and then the invasion occurs and within that the, you be able to go through and see the trials that they experienced first by them going through and losing almost all of their animals either to the Nazis taking them to Berlin or them being destroyed um, by the Nazis right. themselves. Okay. But on top of that kind of handling all those traumatic experiences of kind of losing all of their animals, they also come to realize that something is happening in Warsaw, specifically within the Jewish community, and they're all being rounded up and taken into a specific ghetto and then being shipped off to they're not even sure where. And so to try and help in saving many of their friends who happen to be from a Jewish background, what they do is they become kind of a haven, as it were, for humans, opposed to just animals in, in their zoo there in Warsaw. And so over a period of time, the Zabinskas go through and say, probably upwards of about 300 people um, from um, eminent death, as it were, as we come to know in history. And so this just kind of travels through that storyline in regards to the, their experience, also trying to, because they're actually helping the Nazis during this time by letting the zoo be used to um, house pigs to be able to feed the Nazi army. And so it's kind of under the guise, interesting that it would be the pigs that actually end up helping to save the Jews. Well, yeah, wow. That's, uh, I don't even know where to go with that, but I've got another question before I've got some bigger questions for okay, you, Russ. Yeah man go for it this movie is in English I take it it is in English yeah and Jessica Chastain is she starring yeah. as the zookeeper's wife she is the lead character it's interesting because they have Jessica as the lead character yes. in this story but really it's a story about the family but yeah but yeah. Right, so right. Jessica Chastain does pull off a Polish accent but this is a project a little bit similar to Schindler's List where the events that are being depicted are set way on the other side of the world but it's an English film big budget kind of Hollywood production That's drama right. about these events. Right. Now, not to diminish the value of any film that tries to depict the atrocities of the Holocaust or the crimes of the Nazis. I'm not trying to do that at all. But what does this film offer that's different apart from it's about zookeepers and a zoo. Like, is there anything else different about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does, you know, because it's kind of in a different setting, being in Poland and also being a zoo just kind of set it apart. But probably the key thing is, is the impact of the family working together for the good of others. And not that you don't see that in other films, but this is one where even though the, the movie's called The Zookeeper's Wife, it's really about this family and what they were willing to do and sacrifice in regards to helping the, the plight of the Jews specifically in the Warsaw community. Okay. 
So it's got something different going for it in terms of a movie situated in and around the Holocaust, but is it any good? It's it's okay. I mean, it's worthwhile. Oh, it's, it's, just it's, okay. It's just okay. I mean, it's kind of slow. It's kind of very methodical. It has some very beautiful pictures, and 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 even though it's kind of a dark theme in regards to it, and some of the relationships that are built, it's fascinating history, and it's brought to us by uh, Nikki Caro, who is the New uh, Zealand director yeah. behind Whale Rider. Well, well, What's she been doing for a while? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, she did McFarland USA most recently. <laughs> sure, <laughs> of course. Wasn't that some straight to DVD movie starring <laughs> Kevin Costner? <laughs> exactly. That probably only Americans saw. Exactly. Russ. Hello. Yes, yeah, actually, okay. I did watch but it. But so Nikki Carey's like, director Nikki Carey's sort of globetrotting around the world with different projects. He's landed at the Zookeeper's Wife. It's fascinating history, but I'm still hearing this but constantly. Yeah, but it, but it's really, it's not one of those things that's going to set any box office records in any way. But that's okay. A movie yeah. doesn't have to do that to be any good. It doesn't have to, but it's it, just because Jessica Chastain's in it, even though I really enjoy her as an actress, and the, and the actors themselves are good, the story feels very kind of seen it, been it, done there, uh, you know, in the sense that we... Just really have seen this film before in some ways, but also there's really nothing that really kind of makes it stand above the rest, I'd say. The movie's called The Zookeeper's Wife, Russ, yeah. uh, but you've kind of sold it as the, the Zookeeper's Family. Right. Does it tell us much about family? Oh, yeah. I think it's probably one of the best things about the film. It, it, if, if you can say something very positive, is that really um, at the heart of it, you look at the Zabinska's um, experience, and especially the husband and the wife and the sacrifices they have to make, but also even for the sake of their son, that, that they've had to give up so much, but yet still seeing the value of humanity. And even though really... Even though it's always find it fascinating when you're dealing with a story about the Jewish people and the experiences during the Holocaust, that really God isn't given a mention much um, throughout this whole. Oh, God uh, doesn't show up. It really in God, his wife. No, you really, you really don't see this in the storyline in the sense that even though it's about a religious oppression in a way, but. What you can say, especially kind of maybe as a Christian reviewer, is really look at the the importance and value that God has for humanity and, and be able to see this and then also be able to see a family really willing to work together, putting their life at jeopardy and really seeing how important it is to really love their neighbor. So I, I find that it's a great film about a family and what they're willing to do to save others. The Zookeeper's Wife hit cinemas last week and it stars Jessica Chastain, Daniel Brühl and a zoo full of animals as well. It's rated M for a zoo full of things including thematic elements, disturbing images, violence, brief sexuality, nudity and smoking. Smoking? Smoking. I don't think I've seen smoking no. listed before in the classification information. Really? That's, that's got loads of stuff. Yep. <laughs> Why don't all movies have that like itemised account of everything that's in it? Some just have mild themes. I know and exactly. I hope it's not the animals that are smoking. (laughs) (laughs) You have to see the movie to find out. Anyway, Uh, Recently, Chaps, the big picture expanded its horizons and we're now on 965 in Brisbane. Hello, 965 in Brisbane. Hello, Queensland. And Duke the DJ Dog as well. And Duke the DJ Dog. Hello, Duke the DJ Dog at 965 in Brisbane. Uh, As we said at the top of the show, this is episode 106, which means by my calculations, there's been 105 episodes beforehand. Mm -hmm. You can find those episodes at the Big Picture website. And what you might not also know about us at The Big Picture, this movie and TV show from a Christian perspective, is that we're supported week in, week out by Insights Magazine. Go to insights.uca.org.au for more. And Eternity News, eternitynews.com.au. Insights and Eternity, big supporters of The Big Picture, and we support them. Love them. Coming up on The Big Picture, from the zookeeper's wife to the zoo that Russ would like to keep, the top five Hollywood pets Russ would like to own. Welcome back to The Big Picture. 
Gentlemen, we are almost Australia-wide. Almost. Wow. We're, we're getting there. We're Australia-wide. Bro- I would say we're almost East Coast-wide. <laughs> almost East Coast. But that's almost Australia, right? Love- Apart from... Ben's thinking big. <laughs> I'm, th- thinking I'm, I'm big. jumping to big. You're, you're thinking more realistic, Sam. Uh, we're broadening out from Sydney, uh, going out in Brisbane. Hopefully, the rest of Australia is just a matter of minutes away. For anyone who's just joined the big picture on this journey at this point, at episode 106... We're a program that loves to talk about movies, TV, popular culture from a Christian perspective. We do that in similar but different ways every week where we talk about new releases at cinemas, what's happening on TV, talk about cultural items, get guests in, interviews, etc., etc., etc. And one of the big things that we do every week, gentlemen, comes right at the end of the show. So it's always worth hanging around for the final 10 or 15 minutes. Like any good movie, Mm. the big finale... The, the big picture has a big finale every week, does it not, Sam? And there's always some nice little bits in the in the trailer as well. You've got to listen out. You know, keep listening. You might find a little tag at the end like a Marvel film. Mm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe. The, I mean, that's, the big, big picture Easter eggs. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's, right. that's, right. that's right. Now with five, just like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. No, this is the best part of the show. This is, you know, Sam's if you've favorite. tuned in now, it's good. You've missed a lot. It's, but it's, this is you the mean, best you part. You mean the, the quality's been escalating well, throughout the show? Well, we started with a dog's purpose, which you just totally slammed. I did. I so, did. Uh, but here we are, top five. Okay, well, as we mentioned, from reincarnated dogs into Dog's Purpose to the Zoo, we've been talking a lot about animals and how they touch people's lives on the show tonight. And everyone has different experiences with pets. Some people are dog people. They're the best people. Some people are cat people. <laughs> no, cat people, they're okay as well. But regardless of what camp you find yourself in, have you ever watched a film and thought, hmm, I would like that animal as a pet? I have thought that, like the luck dragon in the Never Ending Story. Well, that's never going to happen, Ben McGregor. <laughs> Sorry to break your heart. Well, Russ Matthew, he's seen a few films through the years, and many of them include pets of all shapes and sizes. So Russ has put together his top five pets that he would like to own from films. That's right. Including the Luck Dragon? No, the Luck Dragon didn't make the mix. Uh, but, you know, this was one of those that was a bl- so much fun to do with my family because going through and considering all of the different pets that you see in films. So everybody was talking about, like, a street cat named Bob. That was a very recent film. Yeah, about a, that right. was about a cat? A cat. Named a street Bob. cat named Actually, Bob. Yeah, Crookshanks from uh, Harry Potter, which was one of my daughter's favorites. There's Chewbacca. Old can you yellow? really have a pet you as Chewbacca as a pet? Chewbacca could be a You can't well, change Chewbacca. <laughs> no, no. You can't change, no. Okay, Grrr. Old Yeller, Lassie, sure. La- Lady and the Tramp, yep. 101 Dalmatians, All and even them. Judy Hopps from Zootopia made the list. So, but, you know, the, 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 the ones that my family thought. But I wanted to go through and pick my own top five pets. <laughs> he said, family, stop it. Here are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five. Uh, number five is actually my Australian inclusion, and it's one that actually my family babe? agreed with. Is it Babe? You're no, talking a lot about Babe, babe earlier in the babe. show. Yeah, even though it did, I did enjoy Babe, but I really don't want a pig. I really don't want to own a pig. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, maybe what if you go against talking pig, pig, pig? Yeah, talking a pig. A singing guy. pig? <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe you guys convince me, but no, I'm going to go with Red Dog. <laughs> oh, Red Dog, yeah. Russ. Yeah, dog be, person, Aussie. Well you, done. I've got to say, Russ. the cattle you, dog from have WA. You, have you seen the end of the movie? <laughs> Uh, are you sure you still want Red Dog as a pet? I, I still want him. <laughs> hey, don't give it hey, away. Come on. What are you doing? You don't give away Go the back movie. to Russ and his fondness. It's all about the community. I'm going to take yes. him in the middle of the movie, you know, when, when he eats like a whole chicken or whatever, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's he's the coolest he'll, dog. Come he'll on, eat he, you out of house and home, Russ. I mean, ha, I mean, with this dog can ride on a motorcycle. I mean, <laughs> that is he, cool. He, he's just a cool dog. And it's also, he's loved by everybody. How many dogs? I mean, most of the dogs you see walking around the neighborhood, nobody likes. But this one, everybody loves. And so they want to own Red Dog. Do you think Russ? If you had Red Dog as a pet, you would have talked Red Dog out of doing that Red Dog sequel, which wasn't which wasn't I, I very good. I would have definitely recommended it that he would not do Red Dog 2. 
All right, the next one. This one may not be as familiar to all, but it's one of our family favorites. It's Rhino. An actual rhino. rhinoceros. No, no. From, rhino, from what from, movie had a rhino? From, from Bolt. You remember Bolt, the movie? Oh, that's he didn't say that didn't have a Ninja Turtles. That didn't have a rhinoceros in it, Bolt. That was a no, dog movie, He's right? a hamster. He's actually his hamster. There's a hamster, a hamster called... ball. And he is really? one Wait, of the on. best what? sidekicks. He's There's a ha- so... hang on. What? There's a hamster called Rhino. Hamster <laughs> called Rhino in Bolt. Is right. This, okay. I'm with you. Okay. So, so he he's yep. this is this great character. He's just phenomenal as this perfect sidekick. He thinks himself so much bigger than really what he is. And actually, Bolt, who's kind of <laughs> been going through this, he's this bigger than life he, dog, and this hamster who just idolizes him and thinks so much of him. And uh, but yet he's what has the, some of the best lines in the movie. He's a great sidekick, and also there. How many other animals? can actually roll around in a hamster ball and actually still be convincing in their role. A mouse? Yeah, Maybe a I reckon most, most rodents. Most okay, rodents. Most <laughs> they can, but not this. But see, this is Rhino, man. I mean, this is Rhino. Okay, sure, Rhino. sure. You've got to see Bolt. And You've got to see Bolt. It is the reason that you want Rhino as your pet at number four, because you want Rhino to look up to you like Rhino did to Bolt. No. Is that why? Right? Yeah, you want the perfect it, sidekick, <laughs> Russ, rolling around beside you, telling you how great you are. Okay. No, I don't. No, that's not exactly it. He's just a cool. He's just cool. I don't even like rodents. <laughs> okay, number three is Blue the bear. Oh, okay. Blue, yeah. so I'm on board so now. Getting a bear yeah, in your yeah, posse. Yeah, getting a bear yeah. in there. Yeah, you got to be able to do, see. I can see you strutting down the street with a bear. <laughs> what? What? It's a bear. Bear necessities. You see him singing the song. Would you get all sick of the song, though? Uh, probably. Do you think he would sing the song if he was your pet, like, all the time? Like, he'd wake up in the morning, he's singing that in your face. You're like, dude, we've been singing this now for five years. Yeah, no, Can we yeah, just, like, kind of, find kind of something else? But, but I got to ask you, though, man, wouldn't you love to have a bear that has the comedic talents of Bill Murray? Are oh, you talking you, about Blue the Bear in the recent either Jungle one. Book? So you could be, see Blue the bear the new the newest one or also even in the old one mm. i mean he's funny he actually no, loves jazz music there's everything about this bear but yes he did have the voice and comic stylings of bill murray in the recent the recent jungle book you are starting to convince me about yeah. having blue the exactly. bear around the house exactly well and also whenever you want to float down a river when you just love to be able to float down a river on his stomach mm. <laughs> just pat now mm. bear necessity. Yeah. And, if, <laughs> and if you want honey i'd rather get blue to get the honey than winnie the pooh he's not, not the yeah he's not but winnie the pooh's got a great posse though he does got really Piglet and Eeyore and Tigger. And Tigger. You Tigger get them all. The- like you could have, you could have mm. actually cheated, Russ, and put Winnie the Pooh on this list, and then got all his mates around. Instead, you've gone for Baloo the Bear, but and you've ditched Baloo's mates. Yeah, I did d- ditch Baloo's mates, I, but Baloo's the cool one. Two. All right. Now this one really, this actually kind of almost gets me there with your favorite, but I'm going to go with Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Ah, the dragon. You put a dragon, dragon. In and you jumped over the luck dragon from the <laughs> Neverending Story. Jump over the luck. Well, come on, it's a, that's a furry, cute dragon. This is a cool dragon. Luck I mean, dragons aren't real, Ben. <laughs> oh, and, to, and Toothless is from How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, to, toothless you is real, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Toothless at number two. Toothless at number two. I think he, he can fly. He has all these hidden characters. It seems like every single movie, all of a sudden, he becomes even better and bigger. What kind of characteristics, Russ, that, that he didn't reveal early on that he that he came to reveal that thought that made you think, hmm, I'd love you as a pet, Toothless. Oh, and it's just he, if you get into some sort of kerfuffle with anybody. <laughs> 
a kerfuffle. You say yeah. kerfuffle? Oh, you say kerfuffle. kerfuffle. <laughs> How often are you getting into kerfuffles, Russ? I get into kerfuffle, especially with another dragon. <laughs> you watch out. You watch out. I repeat my question with, with an addition. How often are you getting into kerfuffles with other dragons? You know what? You'd be surprised. Where I live, how, how many times you get into kerfuffles? Is this at the same time when you're trying to escape floating down a river and you need a raft so you want to blue the bear? Exactly. Is this around the same time? Right, exactly. So you jump off the bear yes. and you jump to the dragon. Wow. And you jump to Toothless the dragon. Okay. Does Toothless like grow up across the How to Train Dragon movies? I only saw the first one and he was, he was a baby kind of fledgling dragon, right? Does he That's sort of does he grow or does he just stay a little bit like the Simpsons? He just stays at the same age for the rest of his does life. Does he ever gain teeth? Yeah, no, he, he does actually have teeth, even though he's named Toothless. He's it's actually a lie. Well, that's, so well, that's kind of ruining it. Toothless, but then not also, yeah. <laughs> it's all a lie. Sorry, I spoiled it for you. It's kind of like, you know, have you seen Old Geller? Anyway. And do you, also, do you also want, come on, man, don't be ruining that for the kids. Do you also want Toothless around because he could light your Barbie? Same. That's right. Exactly. So, you know, you could heat up the bath. You could do all these different things. It'd be pretty cheap, especially with gas prices, what they are right now here in now, Australia. Russ, I know yeah. that you live in a house and I live in an apartment, but where are you keeping Toothless? Oh, uh, well, you know, you can, it's nice he can hang out in the backyard. Hang out? Like in what? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of just hang out. You know, you <laughs> what do you mean? Like gravitate? He's got like a bird, I think, or a bat. <laughs> Have you, you got guys? a tree big enough to house Toothless? <laughs> sure. I don't think you've thought this through, Russ. I know you were I, thinking about this list, but I don't think you've thought this through. Is this a realistic list? I don't think so. Sam, well, Sam said it's real. <laughs> I'm just confused. Let's go to number one. One. Okay, now this is the animal, the perfect dog. So I am a dog man. I oh, you mean admit. a dog's I, purpose? A, a, a dog. Uh. And, and this one. But this is the ultimate dog that you can chill with, you have a nice conversation with. <laughs> Hang out in the backyard with, and on top of it can play the piano. It's Rolf. Snoopy. Oh, Rolf the dog Snoopy. from the Muppets. Rolf Snoopy. the dog Can you have a conversation Muppets. with Snoopy? Probably not. No. no. But have Rolf. Have you tried? It's hard. Rolf, Rolf the dog. Rolf the dog. Yeah. He's a perfect dog. That dog is super cool. Yeah. And guess what? You know what? What's cool about him? Here's what's really cool. His this ears. Is what, this is what I love about Floppy him. Floppy ears. ears are oh, great. He's got cool ears. He can play the piano. He, you could have a great conversation with him. He has great taste in music. But what's great is that, guess what? Not to spoil it for you. He's a puppet, so he doesn't oh. eat anything, and he doesn't poo. So it's, it's a perfect dog. He doesn't have legs either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, he sort of does. He has arms, but yeah. Anyway, and, but yeah. Right, and so you'd have to have the puppeteer around your house all the time to like make <laughs> yeah, Rolf, or you make could Rolf just work. be Rolf. I guess maybe yeah, or yeah, maybe because I think he actually. So your perfect pet, you would be the pet. <laughs> maybe in a way. Oh wow, you really. This has become more existential than I, I know. I know, <laughs> just right. like a dog's purpose, right? <laughs> So, Rolf the dog, number one. Evening, Rolf, Rolf the dog. Sit yourself down. Kermit, Kermit the bar. Pleased to meet you. I'm no hyphens, but I get by. That was was very nice. Whoa. Hey, broken heart, right? Was it sure? Well, Russ, good list, good Thanks. list. I didn't mean to challenge you so hard on on the the list that you clearly thought about. But I'm a little bit miffed that oh, you really? didn't You're pick. Miffed. Yeah, you didn't pick Fozzie the Bear. <laughs> well, see, well. Fozzie tells blue, jokes, man. Waka waka waka. Exactly, walking around. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That- <laughs> That was this week's top five. All right. Well, coming up on the show next week, we're going to try and explain one of the most baffingly memorable movies of 2017, which you're just going to have to wait to hear about. It's called Get Out. And we will jump into the 1969 Mustang Mach 1 with Keanu Reeves and take on the world of assassins with John Wick 2. Keanu Reeves. And, gentlemen, forget about about Keanu Reeves. Forget that. Forget that. Because I'm going to answer the question that everyone has been asking, Russ and Sam. What are the best sequels ever? 
Oh. That question will be answered for us next week when I will not be Keanu Reeves or Ralph the Dog. I'm just going to be Ben McKechn. And I'll be Russell Matthews. Catch you later. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. 